Okay, like, <laughs> young Henry Winkler or oh, today Henry Winkler? Do we have know. to determine? Oh, we're going to the bad place I think again. we have our intro. Oh, legit question. <laughs> <laughs> legit question. Does he have dentures? Ooh. Be extra gummy. Benefit and five, four. That's a three. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to another episode of Hobby Day in Canada. I'm your host Tom, and with me, as always, are Dan, Peter Parker. What the fuck, Mike, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> to be fair, he does kind of look like Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's too short still. Isn't Peter Parker pretty short? Peter Parker is not tall. He's also a he's spider. He's also a teenager. So that's very small. He's not literally a spider. I thought he was the Spider Man. He is one of the special. Careful, men. Steve. There's already people <laughs> sending me te- sending me messages correcting your inaccurate comic book references. Oh, I know. I'm well aware. Because apparently, Spider- mail. You apparently got, Spider-Man's got parents mail. didn't die. They were spies. Well, they did die. Well, but like not originally. Like in the when he thought they died. The, yeah, but that's not off topic at all. Listen, we were talking about <laughs> he brought up Spider-Man. This is totally relevant. This is, I blame this one on Ward. Sure, I can talk about Spider-Man and okay. be correct. What? Okay, so on the topic of talking about things uh, that no one cares about, Dan, what Battletech models did you paint this week? I didn't paint shit. Uh, although, in love well, no, news, we're done. I, I'm, I think I'm getting off the light, real life insanity roller coaster, so things might get back to normal and get more windows painted any day now. Good, perfect, fantastic. I those, feel like that is those not windows moving, clean. Moving on, <laughs> Ward. What have you done? I've been working on my drop zone still, so Ooh. I'm trying to finish up my air support um, and uh, get that. Because I showed up. you up. Is that what? You did show me up. So I'm trying to get that wrapped up and out of the way, and then uh, I can decide which um, PHR mix, essentially, I want to paint up for the LVO. So Nice. Yeah. Yay! Woohoo! So that's your Athena that you're finishing up right now? Two of them. Both. Nice. We uh, both have two. You love perfect. that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Athena. If, for anybody that doesn't play draws on, the Athena's probably the best fighter in the game, So or naval asset, as they call it, so it's pretty cool. Naval asset? I think it's it's considered to be part of the Navy. Is it? Oh, okay. I don't know. I, was, I remember reading Naval somewhere with the fighters, and I was a little bit weirded out. Anyways, Mike, how about My yourself? turn. What did I do? Well, I got some PHR done. Warden. Sure. Ward did. I believe you. Mike. Oh, I got pictures. Stop it. <laughs> well, you don't have pictures. We don't it even need to. It goes without saying that if you painted the same kind of thing as Ward, you painted more of them. Okay. I painted yeah. more of That's them. That's a fair and, and I also got a bunch of draw. Um, sorry, Dystopian Wars painted in a week because I was all happy from the Onslaught experience and wanted to paint more. So, yeah, I painted a battleship oh. and four frigates for and which five fleet? Corvettes for Antarctica. the Covenant of Antarctica. Nice. You probably have now more Antarctica than me. Painted, yeah, pa- yeah, actually, yeah, pretty much. Awesome. <laughs> you knew that, though. You've yeah. had years to try to catch up. I just well, I did it all in a day yeah. to try and beat John Wong, and that failed, so good luck. <laughs> uh, yes, trying to ever beat John Wong in anything involving painting. Uh, myself, I finished up some stuff for Onslaught, so I finished up a bunch of Dark Eldar, like, grotesques and a little odds and ends uh, around that army. Last time we were on the podcast, I just finished up the Death Jester and Solitaire. No, Shadow Stair. And I also finished up a bunch of Infinity stuff for the Infinity Tournament, and now I'm starting to work on my Eldar for the LVO. So I've got a bunch on the go, and hopefully it will be just Eldar for the next, like, month. 
before the tournament on the 21st that we're going to, me and you and down in Calgary, Tom. Yeah. And then I should be good to practice a bunch with this army, and yeah, should be good. Also, happy N7 day, because I think we're going to release this on November 7th. Unless we don't. Unless yeah. Dan doesn't. <laughs> but based, okay, on our, first time. based on our current projected release date, this should be on 7 day. Depends how lazy Dan is that week. you got to remember. No, not lazy. No, he's busy. Oh. Yeah, this is not his job. But, let's be honest here. <laughs> no, it's his job. <laughs> I can judge him. I judge you. The pay is pretty terrible, though. Yeah. i got to say. Yeah. You get it's because you candy. do such a bad job. I buy my own candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a supply your own candy gig. So that's Have fine. some of my candy. Not today. There's <laughs> candy supply. Yeah, we do have leftover Halloween stuff. So if you heard any rustling on the podcast, what? that's probably... There's, there's not an if. <laughs> yeah. It's a win. It's a win. <laughs> when you hear rustling and talking like someone's got a mouthful of candy, it's because they opened a bag of candy and shoved it in their mouth. Yes, 100%. Yes, early November is the greatest month or week of the year, whatever. It's all good. Oh, well, the other thing that I... This is where so I'm going to go completely off topic, Mike, just like we talked about not doing. Yeah, sure, I no problem. What was funny today is everywhere on campus was diabetes like awareness <laughs> stands. <laughs> like go <laughs> sign up for research kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, it's good timing. Right after Halloween, perfect. I was considering for shut up and take my money saying insulin, but now I don't have to. <laughs> no, yeah, no. It's, it's kind of it's right there. Uh, well, I guess for me, I finished up my Zoraida crew for onslaught, and then since onslaught, I've been working on my Ulix crew because I finally got his arm in and just been putting it all together. Oh, that guy that did not have one. Yeah, that's nice. Like so that. he's now assembled, and I've got uh, got some primer on a few models, got the bases done, and some base coats on a couple too. So cool, right on. Some completed stuff, some progress. There we go. So, I, so moving on then, uh, so to the shut up and take my money, let's go in reverse. So I guess that means I'm starting. Yes. Yeah, sure. Wow. <laughs> Self-centered. Uh, I guess for me, um, shut up and take my money has to be the cock. There, Please elaborate. <laughs> uh, no, there no, are rooster okay. riders. The renders were released for gremlins uh, uh, from Alpho. And uh, it's really weird. Eh, because... <laughs> The roosters are so ridiculously detailed. They're insanely detailed and, like, hyper-realistic. They actually look really good. Best-looking cocks I've seen in a long time. Okay. I'm... Mm, my favorite thing, my favorite I thing wanna, is... I want to Google it, but I don't want to Google it. Rooster. No, it's Wait, Malifaux what? Rooster Rider. Like, it's, it's going to be fine. Uh, it's not like we're going to be... We'll get into that later. We'll talk about Google later. Google, but, uh, Google safety concerns? But I sent Dan some the pictures of the renders, and his response back was, wow, those are not nearly random enough. Because it's hillbilly gremlins riding roosters with rifles. Like, it's... Yeah, that's weird. The gremlins have the rifles, not the roosters. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's good that you clarified, because I honestly wouldn't have wanted to uh, venture a guess on that. <laughs> but anyways, they look amazing. The renders look really detailed. And if the detail in the model is even half with the renders, it's going to be some of the nicest sculpts that Alpha has done in a long time. Cool. That's awesome, man. And then for my faction! Woo. I always like that when you get models that are weird and ridiculous and new, and they happen to fit into an army you already play. You don't have to like even start a faction to play them. No. no. The, the artwork for them is pretty sweet, actually. <laughs> Great oh. podcast. <laughs> All right, well, my shut up and take my money is actually two things, so sorry if I steal anybody's. Uh, it would be the drop fleet... Uh, Kickstarter. They Didn't we do this last week? I said it. But Nobody it's else did. But now it's actually live. Now we threw money okay. at it. And now we, I, yeah, th- I haven't thrown money at it yet because there's some talk about a new potential cruiser for Shaltari coming out. So I'm going to wait until I 
hopefully they release those and then maybe I can add that as a bolt-on. But the other one that is not out yet that I will definitely be picking up is the Horus Heresy box set because that is an unbelievable deal for that many Mark IV Marines and Cataphractic Terminators and Contemptor. And the characters. And, and the characters. Hex tiles and the weird dice that don't make sense. Yeah, I don't I don't really care about the board game because they're just going to get painted up as Salamanders and probably go into a Demi company. I so, have a feeling that is what's going to happen for basically every single person that buys that box. Yeah, I'm probably going to grab the Contemptor and immediately buy the Mortis Arms. Because <laughs> that will save some money. So, Mike, how about you? Um, what am I, what's taking my money? I, I, it's, it's dropped it again just because I put more in and added bolt-ons. And yeah, they hit their target of 40,000 pounds in an hour. Yeah, no, 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 I thought it was 15 minutes. Under an hour, that's what I saw. Yeah, so something ridiculous. Yeah, and so I went for the captain level, which is the second highest. Yeah, not the 500 pound get to beta test one. Yeah, but I'm already at 220 pounds. And (laughs) you still got time to up your price. I still got time to up it. I still, yeah. But when I was looking at that, though, I think really the only difference is you got invited to uh, the 500 one. No, no, it is you get everything literally. You get two two players and you get every bolt on. You get everything. Oh, I thought you got that with the 221. You just got to, like, fly. And no, no, The bolt-on means you have to pay extra. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Never mind them. Yeah, the the cap, the Admiral level one where you actually get to go to their... Yeah, the beta testing and meet anti-chambers. Yeah. yeah. Those are all... They're gone. I think there was only 10 of those. Or yeah, within like the first hour. No, they, they originally did 50. Those sold out really quick. Like, when I, like, logged on in the morning, yeah. there was only two spots left. They sold, and then they got feedback saying, like, hey, it would hey, be awesome if there's more Admirals. So they opened up another 50 spots. And those those are all gone. Within a couple hours. So there's 100 Admirals, that's it. That's awesome. So hmm. That's crazy. Anyways, that's me. That's Mike. Yeah, that's me too. I swear, I'm in too deep. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, the UCM ships are what's selling Don't me. tell my wife. Why do, God damn, what, I've got some 41 stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty terrible song. Please, somebody change the subject. <laughs> Ward. So for myself, you can call me Captain Ward, because like the two of you, I pledged into the Drop Fleet Commander Kickstarter at the captain level, and I will... Did you buy the PHR bolt-on yet, though? Oh, well, I'm waiting for the pictures. I yeah. will be buying the PHR You're bolt-on. You're not going to just immediately go without any pictures? Ah, uh, I should, but... <laughs> uh, In what universe should you do that? Uh, the one where I really want to It worked out great when I did it for AVP, just saying. <laughs> Yeah. Did Ward send you the picture of the oh. box? He didn't. I heard about it. I haven't seen the pictures they have of them in stock in stores in Edmonton. But it's yes. not the same one I'm getting. It's not the same version. Yeah, yeah you're getting the, the super fancy. You're getting one. the late one. I did the same thing. I texted him. I just saw it at Red Claw. Did yeah, you get yours yet? It, no, they're still in the warehouse. It's like, oh. Oh. It's yeah. in no way upsetting. Don't no, worry about it. no, you're good. You're <laughs> That's good. also because you bought everything. Rocking, <laughs> they they didn't finish production on everything. That's it, it's not your well, it's, it is their fault. It is their fault. However, the rest of my shut up and take my money is still going to go towards Kickstarter, where Dan also made me succumb to pitching in on the Mech Warrior Battle Kickstarter, Tech. the BattleTech Kickstarter. Uh, okay, okay. So I'm I'm a, a house scion for that as well. So. Nice. I will be getting a banner for my house and some knickknacks in the game and the soundtrack. And Is that the one that already closed? Cool. Uh, um, it did it close, j- but they are doing... It just closed at 
noon today. Yeah, it did close, but they are doing a second chance um, thing outside of the normal Kickstarter. So you will be able to. There's a link on the uh, the page on Kickstarter. There's a link to their second chance kit or whatever it's called, where you can basically pledge and then just pay through a different payment system. But you can still get in on it, and you can still get the same stuff. Just do they have? Doesn't the gear I am so excited. Sorry? Which house do you of the want? Gear for my oh, ra- no, no, no. No, you don't exist it's, yet. It's one of the five major houses, that's it. Yeah, or or a generic mercenary. Yeah, your, fac- your faction doesn't exist yet. So I'm legitimately concerned that we're turning into a Battletech podcast. It's like, okay. Really I'm not the <laughs> <laughs> Really worried here. I'd like to just move on past this topic if we can, please. No. To be and fair, it- I've hated talking about 40K since day one. <laughs> Oh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me. Kickstarter gets all my money this uh, this couple weeks, so... Damn you, Kickstarter! Yeah. Oops, sorry. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. Um, so, on Friday, I went and bought a one-to-one scale, fully functional um, car. So... Ooh. Yeah, so I bought myself a new winter car, so I'm not going to drive, like, a death missile of an ancient Camry. So this is your hobby, is buying used cars? cars? No, it's buying new cars. Oh, new, brand new cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what, that was, yeah, that was dominating a little bit of my free time the last few days, is figuring out what I'm going to get and all that stuff, so. Yeah, I didn't have a huge amount of hobby budget left after buying a car this week, so. That's all we're going to hear for the next year. (laughs) Or five, because cars suck for that. Uh, Well, this isn't a race car. It's an Elantra (laughs) hatchback. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I probably awesome. won't be like rebuilding the suspension or anything on a regular basis or like blowing up a transmission. It's okay. Well, <laughs> you never no, know. no, no. Depends on how you drive it, Dan. Let's be honest here. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, like away. well, we haven't even jumped it yet, so we need to figure that out. <laughs> but does it jump, bro? Yeah, we need to figure out how does it fly through the air. But does it blend? <laughs> well, that's another good one. <laughs> they do have industrial like grinders that just like smash cars and just like fine. Metal powder. Which I kind of want to do that to the old camera. <gasps> oh, yeah. That would be a good one. That would be a lot of fun. I would I would even put some of my 40K in that car. But uh, oh. ooh, be, <laughs> I'm sure we could donate something. Some, right. some 40K to get crushinated. But in slightly more hobby-related setup and take my money type stuff, uh, Vallejo announced another, another range of metallic paints, which is, um, they're called Vallejo shit. I had the thing. Sure you did, Dan. I You're prepared. You it's it's simply not, Vallejo metal color. Yeah, they're not but they, Vallejo shit. They're a water-based version of the lacquer Alclad metallic paints. Oh, oh okay. So they're, That's actually really intriguing. Yeah, the Alclad paints are supposed to be awesome. They're super durable, super good coverage. They're supposed to be great. The only issue is they're, they're lacquer-based, and lacquer yeah. thinner is evil incarnate. That shit is potent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these are a water-based, airbrush, pre-mixed, whatever, um, aluminum-based pigment version for Vallejo. That's interesting. I know there's a few guys locally that use the uh, liquid gold or whatever they call it. Yeah, the Vallejo liquid metals. Uh, and they the are ones that rust if you use water with them. Really? Yeah, you can't mix them with water. Like they rust on your model? Yeah, if you have to use, oh. I think you have to use 98% isopropyl to thin it with or it'll rust. That's insane. That's yeah. super cool. So that's the thing is Vallejo is turning all these really finicky, difficult to use like enamels and alclad lacquer paints and stuff. And they're turning them into like water-based alternatives that are yeah. maybe not quite all the benefits of the originals, but they're a million times more user-friendly, and they won't like kill you. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. So, no, I mean, I was gonna say their their liquid gold is probably the nicest gold I've actually ever seen. There's a few guys locally that do it, and it's awesome. So if you can do that without dying, 
That's pretty cool. <laughs> and they have colors like magnesium and exhaust manifold and like burnt iron and stuff. They have like a million shades oh, of like weathered slash heat. So the idea metals. is they're actually trying to show you like what a real metal looks like, not just like oh it's it's metal sorry gold. Yeah, yeah. Like they have Whatever like the color that they is. have like six different aluminum colors. Only one gold. Only one gold and one copper. Interesting. But they have like a million different like yeah like weathered heat affected like burnt iron and and shit like that. Like I'll read off some of the colors as an example. So there's like aluminum, duraluminum, dark aluminum, pale burnt metal, white aluminum, chrome, copper, jet exhaust, um, semi matte aluminum. Like it's nuts. <laughs> That's so there's awesome. there's 19 of them. They're coming in 32 mil pots as well. So you get you're gonna get a good deal on them. What's and the line called again? Uh, Vallejo Metal Color. Okay. So somebody posted so this it's up like on their me. typical naming. Yeah, Vallejo something color. <laughs> but there's no air cool attached to it. But it is air. But they are they are designed for airbrush. Okay. So they're the, the smaller pigment. Uh, the flakes are gonna go through an airbrush just fine, yeah. kind of thing. Cool. And uh, they also have. It's also coming with like a super high gloss black primer as well in the same range. Because they're saying that these paints, if you spray them over a high-gloss black, you get a much more, like, chrome-polished metal effect. Really? If you put them over a regular um, base coat or whatever, you get a more traditional metallic effect. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And if these things are specially formulated to be, like, ultra-durable and to not, like, rub off on models, because that's one of the big issues with a lot of metallic paints is they they rub off very easily on edges and corners. Yeah. If these ones are super durable, like the Alclads are, that would be awesome. Cool. Well, so we'll have to try those out. For something sure. to look into. Somebody was posting online that their local retailer just got the um, the brochures for these the other day, so they're like just coming to market. So probably within a month, kind of thing. We should yeah, see I'm, them. I'm gonna start looking for them for sure. And awesome. I imagine the only place you'll see it locally is gonna be Hobby Wholesale because they've got the full yeah. Vallejo probably. line. So yeah. So I'm gonna be probably phoning them in a couple weeks and see if they can bring any in because that sounds awesome. I think Red Claw also carries pretty much the entire Vallejo no, line. No, they don't. They have like a, a small fraction. Of, trust me. There's like the Vallejo line is fucking huge. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's big. It's yeah, really if you go big. to the Hobby model, Wholesale and take like, a look at that wall. There's a Flames of War line with it, too. There's lots of lines. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. They have two approximately six-foot-tall racks three. just for Vallejo paint. Three, because then they've also got the technical stuff, because they've got all the pigments and that kind of shit, oh, too. Is it three? It's, it's, it's two and a half, easy. Yeah, because there's yeah, two in front of you, and then there's one on the side. Moral of the story, lots of Vallejo at Hobby Wholesale. So much Vallejo. That's crazy. Okay. Once again, Vallejo's my favorite. <laughs> I actually have to agree that they've, they've really taken over my yeah. books, too. Yeah. I like them most. I still prefer P3 paints overall, but I get more variety from Vallejo. I, there's nothing in P3 range that I can't get in Vallejo. Go black. In, go black. Okay, fair. Sanguine, <laughs> sanguine base. I don't no, don't use it ever, so it doesn't really matter. But coal black, I will give you 100%. How would you not use sanguine base ever? I've actually never owned it. It's so good. It's one of the greatest red paints of all time. All right, okay. <laughs> you only paint red. Yeah, I know, and I actually really like the GW paints. Speaking of which... I actually have one of the airbrush paints, and I've used Ooh, it. Oh, what do you yes. think? Uh, I totally forgot to go about this. Yeah, but we I had picked up the corn red air, and it's really good. I really like it. It's not in a is dropper it, bottle. It's is not it in a dropper bottle. It's pre-thinned, <laughs> but it's not thinned enough. So okay. what I'm, what's nice about this is you really don't have to add water to it. You just add some of your, like, flow enhancers and a little bit of, oddly enough, the Vallejo diluent. <laughs> Diluente or whatever the hell this Spanish is um, and it's good to go I used it on the Wraith Knight that I've been working on just to touch up some of the darker areas like you guys just saw because I was showing off mm-hmm. and it sprays really really nice so have you used it by like traditional brush yet? Uh, no and I don't think I would uh, 
just because you can use the regular corn red, thin it out. That's a good it's point. It's the exact same color. This is better for airbrushing. Why would you waste it? That's an know. excellent point. If you already have the other one, then you don't need to dual purpose it. So Yeah. And it's it's exactly the same shade. There is like not a single iota different, which is really cool because mm. I used to use some of the Vallejo model airs and they were slightly off between the brush and the GW paint. So anyways. So the question I have for you then, uh, how did you get it? Did you order it through the store? Or online? Uh, Thunderground actually brought some in just for fun. So when I was in there, uh, huh. he had a box of like a bunch of the different basic sort of colors and was like, hey, do you want to pick any of these up? And I was like, I'll pick up one red because I want to try it before I buy because it was five fifty, so <laughs> at least it wasn't like seven dollars. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't one that. of the new metallics. Seven. They're still five fifty. Oh yeah, yeah, they're pricey. That's Fuck. yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's not good, but it, it is a nice paint. I just bought a bunch of Vallejos for four bucks a pot, and yeah. the bigger pots. Yeah, yeah, but they don't make all through in gray. They do not. And all through in gray is the greatest color ever made. <laughs> this is just science, Tom. You need to get used to this. I kind of feel like that is not a true thing. The best color ever would be Troll Blood Highlight. I disagree. But that is entirely opinion, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so moving into the first uh, period then, I think you guys are wanting to talk about some more Drop Zone stuff. Yeah. Woo. So we're going to talk about uh, Shaltari and how they play in-game. Absolutely. They're They're... They can be fragile, but they can also be very resilient. They have shields, and that's what changes everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but like before so basically we basically like we Eldar, that, they cheat. Yeah. They who, do. Who are they? Like, who the fuck are the Sheltari so in the universe? Sheltari are the, I guess, exta- uh, they're the established race in Drop Zone. Uh, they've been around the longest, so in a lot of ways, a lot Eldar. like the Eldar. Uh, where Scourge are sort of new to the area and they're just like, consuming what are everything they, with them. Humanoids, are they They are lizards? not humanoids. They are weird. The first piece of art for them uh, was basically small feathered creatures with really big weird eyes. Think like the gray aliens that you see on every bad sci-fi show, except shrunk down with feathery quills. Which beaks. are not really feathers, they're clear and they change colors. Yeah, so, okay. yeah they look weird. So they're almost more like a scale than a feather? But they stick out so... Between the two, like it's it's they it's, look spiky. Yeah, they look spiky. <laughs> They're actually I I, <laughs> I actually appreciate the aesthetic because it's different. There's nothing out there in that sort of realm that follows that trope. Like now, I would like to point out that we will be talking about something else weird and feathered later on. Yes, we will. But <laughs> no, 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 um, no. It's, 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 it's a PSA we're going to talk about it's later. It's kind of interesting. Fine. Some of the some of the original like stories uh, involving like the humans and like when they meet the Shaltari, uh, they just think that they're just huge uh, robots. Know, robots. Robots because yeah. because of the armor that they wear, like and, Independence Day. And then they open up and they're just like, oh, you're a shitty weird little bird creature <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's um, interesting. But you're going to give us technology? That's awesome. Yeah, so the Sheltari are in a lot of ways like Eldar, where they've been around longer. They have uh, slightly more advanced technology, I no, guess. They have, I think they, they're at the edge. They have the highest, I think, to be honest. Yeah. Because they have the most powerful gun. They do, they do, yeah, for sure. And they are, most of their stuff has shields, which nobody else can claim that as well. And they have not webway portals. There, there are some passive... And uh, they gate in instead of being carried in. Yeah, so one of the things that sold me on the faction is their, is their in-game uh, sort of benefits. And just like the Elder, like Tom was saying, they cheat. They cheat like crazy. So they're me. The, sorry, Dan, it was like you were saying. Just uh, <laughs> their movement does not work like any other factions. They have gates instead of dropships. Yep. So... 
in function functionally they're they're they are similar where basically a gate drops off a unit but the difference is when you hop into a gate you can pop out of another gate on another part of the table so you can like really uh relocate quickly so it's eldar yes. whack-a-mole it is eldar whack-a-mole in a lot of ways and the other thing that really sold me on them is their infantry. Their infantry have uh, three models per base instead of the usual five for your basic infantry. Yep. Uh, the reason for that is all Shaltari infantry are actually small mechs piloted by Shaltari. Uh, so they're Wraith Guard. They're super tough. They have really good weaponry. Yep. Uh, and they are... They're actually really cool-looking models, too. They are. Like they have really high armor. They're the one of the hardest, not the hardest, but one no. of the hardest infantries to kill and take. Yeah, the only one that's going to be tougher, in all honesty, than, a, than the Shaltari Firstborns are the... Scourge uh, Destroyers. Scourge Destroyers. And in all honesty, a Scourge Destroyer fight versus Firstborns is not... Uh, like a guaranteed Scourge are going to walk out of there. No, no. It's a pretty not. even fight. I think they get the slight edge. Slight edge, yeah, yeah for sure, but not, not by much. Um, so that's what really drew me to them is they're, they play like Eldar. All the stuff about Eldar that I like, yeah. they play. Um, one of the things that is interesting about them is they're, uh, they have your typical tanks and that kind of thing, but they also have a set of walkers. Uh, and the walkers are really cool. They're also, I think, War of the Worlds-esque. Oh, yeah, very much because they're yeah. a tripod. Absolutely. Yeah. So I like, the, uh, I like the walkers in terms of their look and also in terms of their functionality. They're command vehicles of walker. Or one of the command vehicles. One there is a is. new set now as well. There's actually three or four. Yeah. You, you're out of it for a while. I have been out of it for a little bit. But the Coyote uh, Walker is uh, a very versatile sort of do-everything unit. But yep, the thing absolutely. that's really cool is the little pod on top where normally uh, the other Jaguars have weapons on the top of the vehicle. It's an escape pod. So when you lose your commander, it actually ejects. Yep. And it still gets you to, you can use your command cards and that kind Can't of thing. Can't move anymore from that pod, but yeah. you haven't killed the commander yet. He can still use all his bonuses, plus his his shield bonus, his, his shield save goes up at the same time as when his he His shield bonus goes way up. So usually most of the Shaltari uh, passive saves are a 5+. plus. Yep. But your commander, when he ejects, it becomes a 3+. Plus. And the passive 5+, plus is actually really, really good because in certain situ- it is very situational. Yep. Uh, in some situations, you are just rolling like shit, and it doesn't matter. You have effectively terrible armor, and you're getting destroyed. But there's those moments where you just roll hot, and you survive something that there is no chance you should have been able to. And the one thing to keep in mind as well is that the passive armor save is not as prevalent in drop zone as it is in most it's other games. It's very rare, systems. actually. So having it, it's much like uh, Trolls having Tough and War Machine, where... You're right, it doesn't come up all the time, but there's games where it's, it's a complete game-changer. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So you do have the lowest armor in the game, so it is the easiest oh, yeah, uh, they, for your main tanks. Generally, they have the, you can punch through them the easiest, but because they have the passive save, that kind of offsets it, and yeah. the fact that they also have shield boosters can change things a lot, too. Yeah, that's the other thing. You have a lot of synergies in the list. So the Dream Snare is another walker that is very anti-infantry. He's got two microwave cannons. Yep. Uh, but he boosts the passive saves of everybody within range of him. Uh, Six inches. Other than infantry. Uh, and it bumps you up to a four, which means suddenly you're negating half of the damage coming in, which means you can have small areas of the battlefield that are like, you just aren't moving that. You're not shifting them. You're, you just work around it. Because it doesn't matter how, uh, how, many, fi- how many weapons you have, you're, you're not going to do it. No, no absolutely. Hmm. So when it comes to gameplay, one of the things that Shaltari do suffer from is they have fewer infantry than uh, pretty much any other race. 
So when you're trying to take buildings, you really have to use your gates to your advantage to grab intel, grab objectives, and then gate over to the other buildings because you aren't going to be able to hold everything at once. Absolutely. So you're using a lot of CQB. Because you gotta get, you gotta shift people out of those buildings, and you also should have a lot of spirit gates because those can yep. drop you immediately into a building. Whereas the other ones, where you drop out of a, into an APC, then the APC unloads you, then you can't get in to the yep. building at that point. Yep. Whereas the spirits, they'll drop you, you get into the building right away. So they're really important for your infantry since they are so little and so yes. few. Yeah, one of the things, just like most of the other uh, races where you have certain ships that can be transported by, uh, the gates uh, have what's called a, uh, a mass rating. Mm-hmm. So they, the smaller gates have, I think it's called fine yes. mass, so they can actually transport uh, infantry. infantry. And that's your tiny little gates. And they work a lot like your, uh, why am I blanking, the UCM little tiny uh, dropships. What are the name of them? Ravens? The Ravens, yes. So they look a lot like that, where yeah. you can sort of get over top of a building, drop your guys in. It's like the fast roping kind yep. of idea. Um, so you have to... The other thing that's interesting, too, about them is their gates don't fit in a battle group. Nope, they're separate altogether. Yeah. So your gates aren't picked like anything else in the game. You sort of pick your, your battle groups as normal, and then you sprinkle in gates. And the only thing that you have to do is you have to activate a gate alongside of a battle group. Yes. So you just you assign them and they activate as normal, but they aren't tied to it, so you can really, really shift them around. It gives you a huge amount of uh, flexibility depending on the game that you're playing. Yes. So absolutely. Then one of the things that people will talk about is oh, that. Oh, McDavid, they have hurt his shoulder. That doesn't look good. <laughs> I'm totally watching hockey. Yeah. No, Continue. really, Dan. I didn't notice that. But um, what was I talking about now? Gates. Gates. Yeah. No, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's an interesting dynamic with the Ooh, gates com- compared to like everything else in the game, uh, and just getting um, moving around the board so fast, like you can totally move from one flank to another just based on the gates that you have yeah. I- yeah. in proper position. Absolutely, right? so. like a lot of people think they're overpowered, but they're just really easy to use. Is what it comes down to. It you can beat them; they're not unbeatable. They have been doing very well in tournaments. Oh, they have, like, but it's because they're very easy to use and they have a lot of tricks. Do you think then they're the most user-friendly army to start with? I would actually disagree. No, uh, I wouldn't say user-friendly, but I mean, once you got a little bit of experience behind you, they, yeah. they're very forgiving for what you can do with them. I think once you've learned the rules and figured out, like if you're a complete newbie to the game, they're going to be the most complex, frankly. Uh, they break all the other rules. They have different mechanics around mm-hmm. the, the gates. Um, but if you've played other game systems and you have a general handle around sort of what Eldar do and, and the idea of how they fit into a game balance mechanic, mm-hmm. you'll probably do really well with them. Um, they have every tool out there. I mean, between the ocelots and being able to knock down buildings, you can go heavy firepower if you want. Uh, you have a huge amount of ability to shift infantry with your microwave guns. There's a tool for everything. The hardest part with them is building a list. Yes. So, for someone looking at getting into the Sheltari and maybe kind of trying to decide whether or not they're going to, what would you say is their biggest strength, and what would you say is their biggest weakness? Biggest strength is maneuverability, 100%. Mm-hmm. And biggest weakness is numbers of infantry. Uh, I'm not going to say it's everything's really costly, so when you yeah. buy Sheltar, you have to be very careful how you build the army, because you can unbalance it quite easily, and that can be quite detrimental. Yeah, so. one of the things I would almost recommend if you are starting Sheltar is to not get the starter box. The starter box is not uh, exactly the way I would go, necessarily, and there's a lot of lists that don't use it. It doesn't come with any of your walkers. It does come with a lot of infantry, which is good. Mm -hmm. comes with a couple of gates. But but before you jump to there, I should say, 
maybe not that because the starter box actually has your minimum core requirements too because it has your infantry. Oh, it does have the armor minimum, group. It has and the armor you have group. to have your armor group. And that's the minimum. So, I mean, so the starter box is actually a really good place to yeah. start. I forgot about the armor group entirely. Uh, and they're cheap as shit because those plastic boxes are like 50 bucks each. Yeah, they're 55 yeah. bucks now. So it's it's not a, it's not a hard But sell. that's the other thing in the Shaltari list. I also find that the armored group feels like a tax. I've never felt that the armored group actually feels like it's contributing as much as anything else in the Shaltari. It's not like no, no, I'm absolutely. But you know what? You're going to need those three. Eden you needs. need to. You're yeah. going to need those infantry units. Yeah, I might go. And if you buy right. those separately, I bet you any money it's 55 bucks. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I might go slightly fewer on the Eden Gates if yeah. I was starting over, but I, I don't think. You get three, and if you need two Eden Gates, it's really not like you're losing anything. So, yeah, starter box is probably a good way to go. Yep. I completely forgot about the armored group in there. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the thing about Hawk War Games is every faction starter box is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, saves you a ton of money, so not a bad way to go. No, absolutely. And, I mean, if you ever have any questions, this is the one really good thing. Okay, are you ready for this? Hawk War Games actually listens to the public, actually responds to the public. <laughs> yep, that's true. Actually, if the public doesn't like nothing, they look into it and try to amend any errors they've made. If they've made something too powerful, yes. they'll look into it, and then if they deem at that <clears throat> point that it needs to be nerfed, it gets nerfed. So it's actually some response, yeah. and they listen to the people, and they play test it out. And right? they've actually done that with uh, uh They Shaltari. are super customer-friendly. They've actually done that with the Sheltari Infantry. They've yes, they got nerfed. So, because they were insanely good when I started yes, playing. Yes, and now they nerfed their passive save. They used to have the passive save with the Infantry. Not anymore. Yep, too good. So, anyways, I like my Sheltari. I really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like Trixie armies, if you're drawn to the Eldar and that kind of thing, this is the, probably the, the faction you want to play. As a side note, because they're sweet birds... Which one would you consider the sweet D. Reynolds of the faction? Ooh, if you're going to uh, pick one to literally be a bird. The special character. Uh, I cannot think of her name. Don't you're asking. You're the Shaltari okay, player. What the hell? Move on to, I will <laughs> grab also a Shaltari player. Yeah, I know, but I don't know what this is. I didn't buy the super care, uh, Isis. special character. Isis. Isis. War Chief it. Isis. There we go. Totally a sweet I name. bought it for Steve. <laughs> I haven't finished painting. I haven't even put it together. Yeah, so I know. So if there's a way to convert it to look like an emu... I will try to do that, but it probably won't happen. God <laughs> <laughs> it is a very flat tank, and it's like a super heavy tank. It's it's bigger than their normal uh, normal tank, so and it's still hovered. Oh, can you convert yep. giant feet for it? It actually cut all the Sheltari tanks kind of have those weird little feet. They're hollow fuel projectors. Oh, <laughs> you put some extra feet on it. That'll work for Sweet D. That'll oh. work perfect. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> we kind of talked about this a lot last week and a little bit so far today. Onslaught was last weekend. Yes. So, most of us played in it, Ward ran it, and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So why don't we just start with some highlights of the games that we played, and uh, maybe how we did, some th- cool things that we saw, um, feedback from the events, so who wants to start? I'll start, because mine was uh, maybe a little bit shorter. Uh, no, I think, Mike, you only played the one day. I only played the one day. Know, yeah, so I kind of only played one day. I showed up with my Infinity to play in the Infinity Tournament. Uh, there were supposed to be six players, and somebody couldn't make it, so there ended up being five, so I dropped out after my first game to allow the people that were act- people that actually knew what they were doing to play more games. Uh, it <laughs> was really- I tried yeah. to get you practice in. I yeah. so tried. And I knew generally what I needed to do, and I was, uh, I was able to hold my own like rules-wise, but the people I was playing against knew all the factions and all the all tricks. The tricks. 
and I could tell that I was going to just get worked every game and not give them good games. You got to pop smoke and heal. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They saw the through that trick. Actually, apparently it's not the worst idea if you just throw the smoke correctly or have multi-spectral visors. So anyways. But you didn't have any any of that. So point is it doesn't really matter. I I actually dropped out of that. But I did have one game against Adam, and I want to say it would really appreciate him. It's... it's kind of weird when you don't play a lot of... Uh, you have one game that you play a lot of, like 40K for myself, and I know that game inside and out, and I haven't been a newbie, I guess you would call it, since 2000-ish. Uh, oh, Steve, you've always been a newbie. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> In this, this time, though, I, had, it was, I was very new to it, and I kind of forgot how that all goes. So I really appreciate uh, him basically kicking my ass but running me through the rules and uh, making sure I knew how I was getting my ass kicked, if that makes sense. Yep, um, So, yeah, that was that was really cool. I uh, learned a ton. I learned a lot about other factions that we don't play, so that's really cool. Um, a lot of combined army uh, stuff that I was talking about, so that's really neat. Uh, Aleph is cool, and I kind of want to start them. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, anyways, that was that was Infinity the first day, and then the second day I played in the 40K tournament, and I uh, played four really good games, the game that was kind of, I think, the funniest to me is I last game, I got paired up with uh, Dale, who is somebody that I play a ton for practice, and we had played each other's armies a bunch of times beforehand, so we knew all the tricks, and it went exactly like all our practice games, where basically I got one shot with a death jester to run him off the table, and then got ran train on. And un- unlike in the practice game, I did not, he did not fail his leadership test, and he did not run off the table, and I got my ass kicked. So <laughs> Dale beat me in a tournament, and I think he came in eighth, actually, overall. We did pretty for well. him, man. Yeah, which is really cool, considering he's only been playing a year, yeah, and a he bit. was... Yeah, the people's second tournament? Third, I think. Okay. I think he's played LVO, oddly enough, being his first tournament. That was, <laughs> wow, that was ballsy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, which he actually did pretty well in there, in the LVO, too. But so he, what was it gutsy or go-to? My, well, it was it was no, for, for him going to the LVO for his first tournament. Actually, really gutsy. He beat some pretty crazy lists. Yeah, didn't uh, he go like three and two or something like that? He went three and two, and he beat a wraith spam list, like a Necron wraith spam. But his space wolves, space wolves, and, and some of my knights because he hadn't yeah. didn't have he would only been playing for like three four months, so he had to use some stuff that he good on him. Yeah. So this is really cool. Uh, the people that uh, place higher than him are like very long in the tooth veterans that. Uh, I've been doing it for a long time. So your, cool. me- your memory is really good. Yeah, he did come in eighth. <laughs> oh, right on. Cool. <laughs> and I was pretty happy because I managed to pick up uh, best presentation with my Dark Eldar, which was da, what da, I was going da. for. Congratulations. Yeah, well played, sir. So it was a good weekend, and I sat all of Monday to rest my feet. So it was good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fun fact, Steve, wasn't the on- Steve was the only Hobby Night in Canada member to win a best presentation on the weekend. That's true. You, you're the only one that got presentation, man. Ha-ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, how did your games go? What did you play? I played Dystopian Wards. I played my Prussians. And I'm going to start off by saying right away, holy shit, my dice were hot. Okay, I got, I got to say this, because anything I did was gold in that game. I could not fail at anything I did. So you need to, some of these stories are insane. So, okay, I played, the first gentleman I played was uh, Brian, I believe he's from Camrose. Anyways, <clears throat> The first crit I get on one of his cruisers, it gets a snake, I mean, not a snake eyes, get a box car which teleports it, and he teleports off the board so it's dead. Good start. Okay, so, and then I have really hot dice, I do enough damage, I, I, I get all my uh, 
achievements done, boom, I, I win, hands down. You know, it's good. It was a good game. A lot of hot dice. Okay. Second game, <laughs> played against David Rowland. Now, uh, we're playing. Uh, my dice are hot and cold, a little more hot than cold. But then I hit his Dreadnought. I get a crit. I get boxcars again. I teleport his Dreadnought onto an island. It dies. <laughs> Okay, I don't know. And most people, if you didn't play uh, Dystopian Wars at all, a Dreadnought is usually a good quarter to a third of your points. How many points are you playing? 1,000 or 50? We're playing 1,200. And most Dreadnoughts are between 250 and 350. Yes. Plus their strategic value is usually 100 on top of that. Yes. So it's like scoring 400 points without even blinking. So Yeah, you don't was, kill them in one shot. No, you, it's usually <laughs> about three or four turns before you take down yeah. a Dreadnought. But no, I got of it. heavy fire. Got it second turn first shot. <laughs> <laughs> like, Whoa. stupid. Like, yeah, stupid. it's literally a one shot is Dreadnought, okay? So that happens. Uh, I achieve everything, all my goals. I win again. He isn't able to because I kind of crippled him in the second turn. Yeah, when you do that to somebody, that it's really... Tough coming back from that. Well, and one of the things I found with Dystopian Wars is that with Dreadnoughts, they're taking them as really weird because they can be such a dramatic game changer, either for or against. Yeah. Where something like that happens and you're fucked because it's yeah. a fifth of your points gone. <laughs> or there's more. No, there's depending. no going back. But that was only the second game. <laughs> this is why I'm saying my dice were hot. So, next person I played is Drew. He's playing uh, his Danes. And uh, we're coming along, we're flying, he's doing some good, he's killing my stuff. You know, it's really even at this point, right? I take a shot at his cruiser, I hit it, I roll snake eyes, which is an ammo explosion. His cruiser blows up, it damages ships around him, it hits a, fl a fly, it hits a carrier. The carrier takes a crit, I roll boxcars again. That blows up, that does damage. <laughs> Okay, it stops at this point, but you get the idea, all right? So, like chain reactions, uh, please. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> well, he he struggled on at that point, and I got my objective again, and uh, so I got three stone cold. Uh, you murdered heavy, the face off. I murdered people. the face off of people, yeah. so I won best general for the stone. Congratulations, Not man! Bad, sir. Yeah. It's awesome. Very well done. <laughs> that is the thing I find about dystopian wars. It is interesting. The exploding sixes. And the way the game works with all the crits, it reminds me in some ways of, of Battlefleet Gothic, where weird things... Oh, bulkhead collapse. Game's over. Yeah. Weird things rarely happen, but when they do, oh my god. <laughs> like, oh, I have a warp reactor breach, and everything died. Thanks for playing the game. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. No, it's fun. Tom? Dom! Wow, okay, so day one was War Machine, and as per usual, I brought my Mercs. Uh... Okay, fuck. I'm just going to say it. I won the tournament with my mercenaries. <laughs> I don't know. I, it was insane. I've never... It, wa it wasn't an easy journey either. No. So anyone that's listening that actually plays War Machine, game one I played against Bradigus, uh, full tier, the usual netlist. Game two was against uh, Harbinger. Game three was against Father Lucant. And game four was against Haley 2. So if you're talking about... The absolute elite, hardest to play against casters in the game. This was about four of the six of them. So, so you ran the gauntlet. I ran the gauntlet, and what it came down to on two on the two games where I kind of had no right winning, my opponents got a little bit cocky, and I was just able to assassinate them with Durgan. And 
It was. Sound like magical. you had a bit of luck with some of the assassinations um, too. In some ways, you know what? They honestly, set up. they they gave me the opening, and so for the Jurgen one, I did get stupid dice on the first damage roll, but I was going to get th- two or three more. Oh, okay, fair enough. So I only had to go to the first deviation instead of the third. But there's also the the. I think the thing is, is you were able to capitalize on that luck, though. You saw the you play the list a ton. This is uh, yeah. this is you you play mercenaries as your your baby. Yeah. So you knew those openings. You saw them. You took them, and you got lucky when you had them. Yeah, and honestly, what it comes down to a lot of the times, I was actually at the beginning of that day talking with uh, Brian Sin, who actually, as mercenaries, came in second. That's a little weird. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, and I was saying to him that. I always have the worst luck at tournaments because my friendly game win ratio is actually quite high. But at tournaments, I'm always kind of 50 50, yeah. kind of middle of the road, and I never really have those, uh, those, those, breakout, go- games. those breakout games or like yeah. things where I need to roll an 8 on 3d6. Well, shit. You rolled a 4. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, like it's always a lot of yeah. those kind of games. And so it's really the combination of having a little bit of that luck and then knowing how to use it and where to put it. Um, Where to put it, hey? <laughs> well, how, how to, pen- how to penetrate their armor. Yes, yes. Uh, their steely defenses. <laughs> uh, so that wor- it worked out really well for me. I uh, played against a lot of really fun opponents. And I gotta say, one of the things that really was huge for me is... I talked last week about uh, how uninspiring it was playing at uh, the Masters event, where I, two out of seven games were fully painted. Yeah. At Onslaught... Well, this is also partly due to our wonderful tournament organizer. Yeah. Ward makes painting mandatory for all the games. And playing against all painted armies was huge. It makes that much of a difference. And the tables had really good scenery and it was a little bit more... No 2D terrain, thank God. No 2D terrain. No 2D terrain and the scenery was a a little bit more challenging. Like It it wasn't just this is the tournament board game version of, of War Machine. You're actually playing an interesting game. So it really rejuvenated it a lot for me, which is really good. And winning helps. And winning was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I, you're right. It's true. You win a tournament, you suddenly get a lot more excited about the game. It's yeah. true. Well, and up to this point, I had one of the. No, I painted those little boats because I wanted to, yeah. Well, you wanted to because you had fun. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's one of those things where winning is inherently fun. Yes. Surprise, yeah. surprise. There's a reason why we play games. It's not strictly just for playing the game. There is yeah. the competition aspect. Absolutely. And anybody that tells you otherwise... <laughs> yeah, like I get it. I get it. Taking it lighthearted, but nobody goes in there like you know. What's really fun for me? Losing. So I'm losing like throw 12, the game. twelve yeah. games in a row. That doesn't happen. Even even how poorly I typically place, like I don't go like trying to lose. No, nobody but if you does. Win, it's but a little more but fun. I d- but That's I don't cater sense. my list to what is the hottest and download it off the net. Yeah. Well, there's, actually, there's that, and it's funny because in one of my games, the guy looked at my, my tray and was like. It looked at my tray, saw roughly the models that were there, then looked at the list of the game and was questioning why the fuck I didn't have models in my armies. And I straight up said to him, because I don't net list. <laughs> like, nothing, you, these lists you see here are not and net lists. And that's not, wait, we need to make sure we, we make this clear, though. That's not to poo-poo on net lists. They're good. There's a reason why they do well. But you're, I, know, I know what you're saying. I like actually taking lists that are a little different that you don't see because it actually gives you an advantage. People don't know Have entirely what's to, coming. Oh, I haven't, I haven't, haven't seen this practiced list against your exact army three, four, five times. Or, or at least thought about it at minimum. Week. Well, because yeah. honestly, what really was the, the biggest factor for me in most of my games was everyone. every time they see an Earthbreaker, they think of the awesome Earthbreaker, with, which has Snipe, for the plus four inches of range. 
So his, yeah, me too. his assassination, well, but his assassination <laughs> capacity, capability is insane. Yeah. Like, he'll reach out and touch it from quite a distance. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then when I say, oh, it's Durgan, I don't have Snipe, all of a sudden, the opponents were being a little bit more uh, careless with their casters because they thought they had they were safer. And, in, and that opened up some other opportunities for you. Yeah, and so when I beat, okay. uh, for the for the win in game four against uh, E. Haley, he popped his feet, and there were three models that were not included under the feet, and that was Reinhold, that allows Durgan to shoot twice, Dougal, which allows me to reroll the distance and direction of deviations from the AoEs, and Durgan himself. So I just walked up Durgan and shot Haley to death with blast damage. Cool. That'll do, pig. <laughs> so you had fun at the tournament. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. And Malifaux, day two... Uh, kind of just going quickly through it. Um, decent, decent enough turnout. We had nine guys because a handful had to had to drop for various reasons. Yeah, but uh, ended up coming in second for overall, or like second for general and second for painting. So nice, it's awesome, man. Uh, and now the one thing I would have to say about Malifaux is. Uh, we were talking about judging uh, events, and the hardest one for painting was Malifaux. Malifaux right now is ridiculous. <sighs> I Everybody is going to town on those models. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so. Yeah. But you know what? The good thing is, is there are a lot of people that didn't paint as well before that have really stepped up their game at the same time in the Malifaux groups. I mean, there's people I thought, wow, that's that's a really nice model. Wait, you painted that? And I'm not <laughs> being an asshole. It's just that there's such a degree in the change. I'm going to call skill. specifically out. Chris Fedor. Yep. I never knew he could fucking paint. His progression. Like, I, I saw and his And holy shit, towel. he can fucking paint. Yeah, his old Tau compared to, like, his Malifaux models now, night and day difference. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's what I'm so, trying to say. Is this, there's a I'm not skirting on the bush. Like, fucking yeah. Chris, good on you. Kieran really ups his game. Because, like, his old fantasy stuff he's had for decades No, almost. but his, yeah. his high elves are good. No, they're good. His wood elves are good, too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right? But I his mean, ten like thunders this, are better. Uh, his his centerpieces yeah. in the big army, you can really notice, and he puts the time and effort into it. But when it goes to Malifaux, and he's like... Everything's he, a centerpiece. He only has to paint X number of models, right? Well, we were talking about this in another episode. Yeah. That's the entire draw for a lot of hobbyists to these skirmish games is, oh, I don't have to do line, uh, rank and file. Yeah. I get to do literally ten centerpiece models. Uh, that's all there is to it. Just going to say, Lance X is four. <laughs> Just gonna say, it's impossible to make them look good. <laughs> yeah, 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 you and can polish like, that turd all you want. You're I'm just gonna, gonna get right shit on your hands. Ten versus four. If you're under the size of a single tactical squad, you're fucking awesome. <laughs> to be fair, ten is not under the size of a single tactical squad. It is the size. That's the, well. Let's go with Legion. <laughs> like if you're in that range. Like Infinity is ten is a good size for a band. It's rare that you really would go above that in a lot of cases. Uh, that's awesome. That's well, and perfect. even if you're playing truly competitive Malifaux, you're probably using about thirty to forty models. Uh, that's still old like school forty k uh, army size. The difference is forty k now has thirty to forty models, of which five of them are Wraith Knight sized or something stupid. Well, but even third ed forty k was still often more than that. You could. You could yeah. definitely do some Like, if you're playing 1,000-point Vet Knights lists, totally 30 to 40 models. Well, Unless even, you're playing Orcs or Tyranids. Or Guard. Or you guard. Know, you're right. It, it's the way the game's gone, but that's what I'm saying, is the skirmish games are amazing. I'm so stoked on them, and I, I actually really want to finish up my Infinity, because I'm going to bring them down to uh, Vegas. I'm going to bring down that same list and play that probably Saturday night open gaming. Mm. Or Friday night or whenever we aren't out drinking our faces. And if I go to LVO, I'll be taking Malifaux, because I can take an easy carry-on, and that's it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So. Um, 
Ward, do you have any other thoughts from thoughts from the TO? Thoughts from the TO. Uh, again, ran really smooth for the event. Uh, over the entire event, only one thumb down. So that was good. Really? For the yeah. sportsmanship voting? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Over all any guesses systems? what systems all it was systems. in? All systems. One thumb down. Oh, I'm going to go with 40k to have the highest numbers. Simple statistics. <laughs> Moving on. He's correct. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Totally Dave Roland, right? That's how that works? Yeah, it was for sure Dave Roland. 100%. I, also you know, meta. I played that guy. I could, I could go with this. <laughs> I'm going to say right yeah, now. Fuck you, Dave Roland. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about, we need to just rename the goddamn trophy. The best sport trophy just seems to come the, the Roland Cup. The Roland Cup. <laughs> Like, that's just because he, he played in two systems and he won two, and best, won two best sport trophies. Two best sports. This, and the thing that's crazy about that though is that's not like a weird outlier data point yeah. for him. That's just kind of that's, oh, two instead of one. That's Neat. just another day in the life of Dave Roland. <laughs> yeah. really, nice guy. So that's good. Uh, that's awesome. So yeah, no, flowed really smoothly. Um, no problems with logistics. I was a little bit out of it Friday night. Really, I, I noticed I, that I, a little I bit. felt. I felt. Overwhelmed behind or behind the eight ball or something was going on, so you couldn't tell Saturday. No, oh, I well, that's tell. good. No, I can tell. Good. I can tell. It was better <laughs> once, once the event started rolling, it was better. So, nice of you, Mike. <laughs> um, some tweaks potentially for next year I'm looking at is actually getting like acrylic objective uh, tokens for all the game systems, okay, uh, done up. So, hopefully, with the Onslaught logo, and then I can put those on all the different game systems, um, War Machine. Uh, Malifaux, 40k, all of those will have the correct sweet. sizes that you need, and then you can just put a dice on top of I'm not going to uh, lie to you, that is amazing, because I know for 40k one of the things that sucks is objective markers. People bring the wrong size, or if you're like me and always forget one thing for a tournament, I forgot my objective markers for my Dark Elder this time, so that was cool. Oh, there And you I know. have so. objective markers, so that's the part that pisses me off the most, actual <laughs> for the army. Um... Having the correct size is a big deal, especially when you're measuring, you know, millimeters at the end of the game, kind of thing. Yeah, even, oh, yeah. Uh, War yeah. Machine is a big one too because the flags and the objective markers are two different sizes. So and then yeah. there's also the zones. Are you want to do those too? I'm looking at possibly doing zones uh, again. Now that I saw, like, should should have boosted. They've got their own. Those like, are worth zones. fifty bucks a set. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why it brings I'm, your I uh, cost the, of entry up quite a bit. That's why I haven't pulled the trigger yet. But well, we're uh, not buying any mats this year. I yeah, uh, so uh, the money that I have earmarked for mats is now uh, free zones, uh, possibly in zones. Maybe just like not train. losing money. So the zones wouldn't be a giveaway that, at that point. So. They would just be something you would keep. I would I would have them specifically. It would be like the mats, right? I would own gotcha. the zones and I'd have. X but the objective markers to, would be a a thanks for coming out kind of thing. I would hopefully be able to keep the objective markers as well. Unless uh, someone I, I don't know. Away. I don't know if I I do that because you're gonna lose them. People are going to walk away. Well, if I get a good deal and I can just buy, like, bulk, huge numbers. Well, then you just sell them for five bucks a pop or whatever, getting a good discount. Yeah, if I need to. Yeah, you could do the LBO method where it's like, hey, did you like that mat you played on? Buy it. One of the things it would be like, hey, did you like those objectives? Buy the objectives. One of the things that was cool about this event is uh, you had almost every single table as a fat map. Except for the three by threes and the four by sixes for Dystopian. And those are deep cut studios. Which are. Which just are beautiful mats. Yeah, beautiful mat, too. Just a different style. Of, uh, well, no, we only used fat mats, so like, I only had 30 players for 40 Because you had, like, what? I had two, two I had, grass mats I had didn't need. two spare tables. Yeah. Just in case, because there were some people, like, last minute, like, yeah, I might be there, I might not. So I was just like, well, let's but make that was two awesome. more tables. It makes such a difference playing on not Planet Bowling Ball Perfect Park every single time. The, the fat mats are perfect tournament mats. 
they're they're awesome. They really add a lot to the to the game. I'm sure. I'm glad that I pulled the trigger and I spent all that money. So <laughs> yeah. no, I, um, I, a lot of people that I was talking to were ta- were saying that the terrain actually was really good. Uh, which for 40k is shocking around here because terrain for 40k you need way too much. So that's incredible. That's awesome. Although a big thanks to Out of the Basement Gaming for that one because yeah. a lot of the 40k terrain is theirs. We've yeah, well, and they put a lot of effort into yeah. some good usable 40k. Actually, yes. actually, I didn't bring any of my own terrain. It was all out of the basement. Oh, fantastic! So thanks oh. to you guys. That's so you. go us. I, I'm glad that we've worked out that like Mike is symbiotic in fact wearing relationship shirt so. right now. <laughs> so. Not bad. Up in the crew. It's like, hey, out of the basement, you need some mats? I can help you out. Oh, I need some train. Thanks, guys. No, so. That's perfect. But it works out really well. It's it does. Really it does. It really is. So I can't complain. And we, we also help you set up a lot. Which is nice, too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that ran Have well. you ever come and help us set up? Wait a minute. So, Ward, <laughs> is it too early to say when the next onslaught's going to be? Uh, it is too early. I'm figuring out ideas because I'm also potentially looking at a new venue next year. Okay. So, Ooh. nothing is set in stone yet, but soon as I have some details. So, if you have a bitch in venue, talk to Ward. Yeah, well, uh, the German center is of like awesomeness <laughs> was mentioned several times over the weekend. That it was amazing. There's a we, bar in the middle of the venue. I actually drove by it last night because I made a wrong turn near Tabletop Cafe. Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's tons of parking. Well, it's right there. down there. It's down in that same area. Oh. Yeah, it's just on, fi- yeah, 51st Ave and what about 86th Street? Yeah, it's literally if you go past Tabletop Cafe towards the White Mud and you take a right, it's almost right there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. I was just going to say, too, and on the subject of scheduling, uh, if you could schedule your tournament next time around, not around um, my family members passing away, that'd be great. I will do so my best. you should be more considerate best. in terms of scheduling. You, you're yes. quite demanding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Who's demanding? Just saying. Speaking of, that out there. Speaking of the schedule, though, I found that this format tended to work better compared to the spring event with having 40K on the Sunday and not both big anchor systems of 40k and fantasy on the same day. Well, I think the anchor system a lot of way too now is War Machine. I only had 16... You had 16 War Machine and 18 Fantasy? Is that right? No, 16. 16 for both. See, that's... You put those two on the same day, that's not a bad idea. And that's what he did. That's what what he's saying. saying Yeah, really smart. So, and then um, I find that there's more out-of-town fantasy players. So having them on the Saturday, they really appreciated that. And that there's more in-town 40K, so the Sunday's not a bad thing for them. They don't have to drive home no, smart. after the event three hours idea. or what, what have you. So. Don't make me turn off the TV, boys. So. Hey, fuck you, Oilers. We're Hobby Night in Canada. <laughs> it's like, relevant to my needs and interests. There we go. All right, so well, yeah, so I'll I'll let you guys know exactly when the next event is ASAP and go from there. Okay, so I feel this is a great point to have our public service announcement. Uh, we here at <laughs> Hobby Night in Canada are very concerned about your browser history. <laughs> There's that, la, 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 and we want to make la, la. sure that you are not getting offended by content you can find on the internet. Yeah, we want not, so much, not so much content on this podcast because you know what you're getting yourself into. We have <laughs> well, never pretended to be something we're not. But Games Workshop has given us the probably the greatest Easter egg that that company has ever provided, which will be... Well, it depends on your sense of humor, but if you're like us, yes. Okay, yes. so one of my least favorite things that Games Workshop's been doing in the last little while is renaming things that already had names just to try and get copyright kit capacity over the actual words they're using. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's easier to trademark, they've got more control, and so what they've done is renamed Lizardman Seraphin. Seraphon. 
Seraphim, Seraphon. Ser- seraphim is a biblical thing. Yes. Seraphon is not Seraphon. It's, Seraph- he's not saying like P H I M. Seraphim okay. is, is a group of angels. Yeah, yeah I didn't say that. Seraphon. Seraphon. Okay, Fawn. Okay. I don't know. Whatever. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> uh, it's a real word. So. <laughs> I can't take credit for this because I was turned on to this someone else. You were turned on by this? That's a Oh, problem. God. That's a problem. I was turned on to this. Uh, on the Jaded Gamer Cast uh, page, someone mentioned, for the love of God, don't Google image search this word. So the, my first response was to Google image search that word. Google image search the shit out of that word. And, okay. Spoiler alert, this is going to be a little bit twisted, so if you are sensitive to certain fucked up things, like, just skip the next four and a half minutes. Just do it. But that word is, it's the username for a DeviantArt account and an active poster on various forums for furry foot fetish bondage porn. (laughs) Yes. If you can see Mike's face right now. And the thing about it is it's not like you have to search for it. No, I've got I've got the Google image search right here. The very first picture is not is not a lizard man. No. No. no, It is not even like the first picture. The very first picture is Spyro the Dragon bound, having his feet tickled, and his words were, This is not how I remember Dungeons and Dragons. And the other creature says, Oh, what a pity. Three or four later, and Pikachu's getting anally raped. Like it's really bad. Yeah, it's not a not a good Google image search. Uh, the best part though is when Tom texted me about this. I was uh, actually with my mom, and she's like, "Oh, hey, what's so funny?" And I got to explain this to her. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty classic. Wow. Was, I'm wow. sure she does not regret having me over that particular day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like, uh, and just like. So the feds don't come after you. Wow. Yeah, don't Google this. This is... Oh, that's Pikachu getting branded on the Branding. Ass, Whatever. No, no, I didn't no, look no, close no, enough no, that, no. that changes things. Yeah, the ones that I saw were mostly people in, like, stockades getting their... their or not people. Cartoon... Little cartoon foxes and stuff. Getting their feet tickled. And I was just like, this uh, is... Barbed tentacles. This is too weird. This is too <laughs> yeah. weird. Mike, Mike actually but, has his hands over his ears. But you know what the best part of all this stuff is? Yeah. Is as they've redone the Lizardman sculpts over the last few years with the whole like Aztec theme and stuff like that, you know what they've been adding more and more to all the kits and the standards and what? feathers. Oh. oh. And <laughs> my favorite thing here is that the reason Games Workshop's changing, as we just mentioned, is to have control over their IP. And so you would have Which to. Which I actually. I, which makes ha- sense. Working to be in, fair. The indus- in that kind of industry, I actually I, agree with I get them. it. It but is their most valuable resource. In doing yeah. so, you would have. To do a Google search of the word that you're trying to like to trademark or copyright. You know what the worst part about this is too? The Seraphon, I actually think was a pretty cool name for the lizardman. I because I should have been like Sorafon or something. Though. I see the thing is is, is lizardman is, is a shitty name. We we have like some sort of nostalgia to it, but it sucks. It's like so 1970s D and D garbage. Hey, owlbears are sh- are the shit, dude. Uh, exactly, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's <laughs> just because it is what it is doesn't mean it's good. No, absolutely. And, and I, I actually liked it. And then you sent me this stupid fucking <laughs> hey Google image search Seraphon. <laughs> Fuck you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was actually good. Now you understand when you guys say check this out, Mike. I'm going new. 
Yeah, it was a bit. Beep, that one was actually beep, like beep, too weird beep, for me. Beep, beep. But like, I get, you, I get what you're saying because Astra Militarum to me is still the Imperial Guard, and they will always be the IG. Yeah, and but what I'm saying is that they have to have done their research on the word, and they didn't though, or they did, and they, and they like, just did it anyways. Because it's really funny. You look at um, maybe they find it funny too. Actually, I think if you do the Google searches, not the image search, because obviously they haven't had enough time for that, but. Just the the Sorophon or the Seraphon um, for the regular Google search. There's a lot of Games Workshop entries at the top, so there's a good chance they're paying Google to force their entries to the top. Well, they can't change the organic search results. No, so it would be the ad. It would be so the would featured. Be the, yeah, the so that's just listing. that's just page. That's just Google bombing because GW actually drives a lot of web traffic. That will change. This poor Seraphon artist is not long from and, the top. And when I did it, the Google image search thing, it did try to say, like, oh, did you mean, like, uh, Games Seraphon Workshop. Games Workshop? Yeah. It tried to spare me from the deviant art, <laughs> and I was like, no. I from clearly, the deviant I clearly, art. I clearly meant the original Seraphon. No. Show me all the cartoon porn, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I can then show my mom. <laughs> oh, God. I was very select- To be fair, I was very selective about which images I would show to my Thank mom. you, good. I uh, had to pick ones that were indicative without is, being overtly disgusting. This is this is horrible, Dan. Let's move on. Is yeah, it more horrible? On. Anyway. Why can't you... Co- mention? Because that was pretty... pretty no, I feel... Long. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're right. It's been a rough couple weeks. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so the moral of the story is Games Workshop, thank you. Because this is the first time they've made me smile. This much in years. I disagree. The Squig Flinger. That's true. That really did oh, make you laugh. I, it's still on my phone. Snotling Fling. That's Snotling true. Snotling Fling. But that's what it was. to put you back in the mode of god awful 90s music, they've sung to a brand new low. Whoa! So you, you now have another song stuck in your head. You're Thanks, welcome. man. What is that? That's, that was what? Treble Charger? Or something? That was Treble Charger. Wow. <laughs> Greg cool. Nori. It is real bad. <laughs> this is weird. We took a trip. <laughs> we yeah, took a this trip. This always turns into 90s, like, Canadian pop music. It's oh, Treble Charger. <laughs> totally <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> okay, so, moving forward. Thank you. Um, we're going to be moving into, and this is something that Dan uh, is maybe championing a little bit here, is painting challenges. Not necessarily painting competitions, but painting challenges. And why don't you tell us about the one that you just started, and maybe why you started it. Yeah, so, um, because as we all know, Battletech is the greatest game known to man. There it is. Okay, I'm going to sign off and just go do something else. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, there's, it is one of those games where, um, a lot of the gamers have been established for a really long time. It is a little bit more insular, like, a lot of the gamers, some of them come from the Warhammer and other backgrounds, but a lot of them have just been playing Yeah, Battle insular is a very nice way of putting it. True. So there's, yeah. there's a large number of those folks that, um, like myself, for example, before I got, ex- you know, exposed to Cool Mini or not back in the day. There was only, like, one way of painting that I knew, and it was very simple, very basic. And opening up new worlds of, like, techniques and stuff like that is super valuable. So basically, what oh, yeah. I decided to totally. do was uh, start up one of those, um, like, Tale of Painters-style painting challenges for Battletech, actually. And so the theme of it is the overall challenge is the Megaton Challenge. The individual challenge is a Kiloton Challenge. So basically, over the course of a year, everyone has been challenged where... Um, each thousand points of mechs, vehicles, aerospace fighters that they paint up will get them like a raffle entry for some like collectible or other cool shit at the end of it. So that's pretty cool, man. So there's the there's the incentive as well to um, paint multiple entries because for each thousand tons you get a raffle ticket sort of a thing. 
So some of those really prolific painters, especially if they have like a Steiner Scout Lance of four atlases. Um, you uh, can, yeah, if you're painting, I agree. If you're painting hundred tonners, it doesn't take many models to make a thousand, right? Yeah, okay. So there's there's incentive Ten. to yes, there's incentives. Holy to, shit, thank you for the math. Count. <laughs> there's incentive to paint up um, for the new painters. It's a relatively low bar for them to reach. A starter set, for example, with twenty six models in there, well over a thousand tons. And that's but for the established or prolific painters as well, if they're doing multiple times that much, um, as much painting in the span of a year, they get multiple entries uh, for the raffles and stuff at the end. And the Megaton Challenge is just something that's a little bit more open-ended, where if by some insane um, circumstances we end up with a thousand people or a thousand combinations of a thousand tons, Megaton, million tons. Yeah. So I'll have to come up with something completely insane and worthy of the insane standards. So I'm a little terrified if we actually hit that. Not just because I have to manage the spreadsheet, but <laughs> okay. but also because I have to find something all of a sudden that is worthy of, of the challenge. And I'm a little terrified if we get there. Give them your old Camry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've got... I actually have one, Dan, that What's I that? think would be both kind of... A big deal. It would be a kind of a big deal if it reaches a thousand meg. If it reaches that the megaton, mm-hmm. you have to paint a, mo- a model for everyone, a battletech model for everyone that contributed. <gasps> but that'll cost me like thousands of dollars in addition to being ridiculous. Never delivered. <laughs> like that's the thing where Dad I don't know if I can down. commit to like. Oh, I'll just have to sell that new car I just bought to get a bunch of battletech figures. <laughs> To be yeah. for everyone, so that's feel, maybe a little much. I feel like this is a very interesting uh, tale of painters kind of thing, <laughs> because this is this reminds me a lot of ways of like Doctors Without Borders, where somebody that has <laughs> medical experience and knows what they're doing goes into a community that has no idea what they're doing. <laughs> and that's actually one of the interesting things about this too. Is I I'm not trying to be mean to BattleTech, but yeah. traditionally in the the miniature gaming world, they have had the models have always been unfortunately the worst and. That's that. But, and one of the cool things about this challenge, for sure, is that it is bringing together a number of, um, already in the first uh, couple days, where I think I posted this less than 72 hours ago, there's, I think, 46 or 47 people signed up already. That is Which crazy. is um, And I'm totally... No, those aren't all local, I'm assuming. That's, no, that's no. from the Battletech International group, as well as some of the other Facebook groups, and uh, some other people that I know from forums and stuff that's like that. That's super cool. So it's already to that point, and... Within the first, like, 12 hours of me, like, pitching this idea, there was somebody that came out and said, I've never painted a model before. This is inspiring me to go out, buy brushes, buy paint. I'm painting my first ever miniatures in, like, decades of See, that's that's huge. And that immediately kind of... This is the first time where I'm not going to shit on Battletech, because I actually think that's really cool. Yeah. What? And (laughs) everybody that's in Wargaming has probably watched some of the Battletech cartoon type stuff back as a kid. Or played the video games. Yeah. Or played the video games. Absolutely. Uh, there's a reason why I like my Imperial Knights because I used to play some of the Battletech video games that were pretty sweet Who way doesn't back like big stompy robots? Come exactly, on. exactly. So, okay. If this is the way it's going to go and what it's going to take to maybe step up the community and the hobby around this, alright. I like it. And for me... Still won't probably ever play the game because good god hitboxes. Now, I think <laughs> the argument that I would make for you... It's a year. Buy the starter set. Paint them all. Which is like $55 off of Meeple Mart. <sighs> I'm doing it. I've signed on to do it. I, like We talked together. I found a house that... 
You found a house to fit your battle tech and your cats, because now you're playing battle tech. Or nation, or if you want to call it. He's, uh, Tom has picked a faction. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I, know, I know what he's saying. He's picked the free Rasselhag Republic, or whatever you pronounce it. They're Swedish. Yeah. I call them the furs. <laughs> Wait, they're, the, they're oh, literally a Swedish house? Two yeah. yeah. Oh. It's pretty awesome. Okay, I like that. Although they're not the mafia. Ooh, the Swedish house mafia. Uh, it's even better. <laughs> so anyways, I'm going to pick up the starter set and paint up those. And really, for me, it's just going to be an exper- a practice in using my airbrush a little bit more. Okay, fair. Right? Because really, these models look like shit, and there's nothing <laughs> I can really do to make them any better. So uh, it's a great time yeah. to practice a few different techniques and to do it in a pretty large scale and see how it works. And Yeah, I can see like an airbrush gradient and some chipping fluid and a few little bits of OSL and like totally done. So it is and windows. Finished. Don't forget windows. Yeah, so much cockpit glass. <sighs> okay, yeah. So much cockpit glass. You should cast your own actual glass, Tom, for this. Like, well, get a no, but one of the things I've actually sand. never successfully or in a way that I really enjoyed done decals because I tried them way back when and I never had Here, any success with let them. Let me show you. No, I know how Bam, to now, but I just solved. haven't done it because there haven't been any models that I've wanted to do decals on in the last. Wow, because it's like War Machine, I don't really use decals for my mercs. Sure. Malifaux, fair. there's no fucking decals. So I haven't done them. And there's been no motivation. So for, for Battletech, for those out there I'm going to be land, I just showed Tom Microsol and Microset. Yeah, and I know the products. I understand how to use them. I've just that's, never actually I done it. I hope that's okay. not all you do, though. Yeah, you, you got to do okay. Yeah. No, no, before. You gloss varnish before. And then after. It's both. That's I mean, both. I've never done okay. it before after. I use you know why it's before? Because there's little, less pores, and it yeah. doesn't flake, peel up if you put it underneath it. I've never had a problem with it. So. You haven't so had the right decades. <laughs> Anyways, so moral of the story is it's a great opportunity. If you are a person that maybe isn't in love with the idea of Battletech, for 60 bucks, it's a great... They're basically just models you can practice on to try and work on new techniques we've or already, things you haven't done before. We've already bullied Ken Bish into buying a starter set. So. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, wait, what? On the on the Facebook group, he's like, "I'm clicking, I'm clicking, I'm buying, I'm buying." Well, he said, "I'd buy it, but I don't know where to I, I don't know where to go to get these models." So I just responded with Meeple Mart, ten dollars flat rate shipping. <laughs> all right, all right, okay, okay. So, so yeah, the challenge is growing day get by me, day. Get me four of them and I'll paint it. Paint those this before Atlas you paint. Thing you talked about. You need ten Atlas. You need ten Atlas. Ten hundred ten max. So. People have pitched Atli. It's not actually a thing. Like that's not the language convention, but. Some people in the forums have tried to make it a thing, and they're oddly proud of it. <laughs> I honestly am in the same boat. It's just kind of funny that you came across Atli organically, when some people have really gone out of their way to try and make that a thing. So you started this, uh, you said about 48 hours ago? I think it was Sunday afternoon. It is currently It was Sunday Tuesday. after the football game. Yeah, so it would have been Sunday night. It is currently now Tuesday night. And yeah. there's what, like 49 people Four, in the Facebook 46 group? members. Right now, so I don't like, know if I'm sticking around. I and, just wanted to see what's going and on. Alre- already, and your Robotech will count. Oh, okay. I'm in. Paint your tomahawks. Paint your. Shit. Oh wait, so what I can't paint my other stuff. What are they called? Warhammers. Yeah, the not warhammers <laughs> and the not riflemen and the not marauders. And the not archers. <laughs> the the gulag pods or whatever they're called. Is that the thing? The officer pods. I kind of sort of maybe and, know what I And already, about. like, ton, tons of people are <laughs> tons of people are already posting pictures of, like, hey, would this count as, like, an idea for, like, the colors and, and that sort of thing? Which, I mean, it's it's good because it it's generates... Well. I just can't see... It generates conversation. Conversation, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, like, whenever you get together, like... You're a, not wrong. Like, Whenever you get together, like on a, like a painting night, it's it's always good to like paint with more people. You feel more yes, motivated. You're 100%. more invested mm-hmm. into that. Couldn't agree more. And and that's what I think painting challenges do 
for the group of people, right? You you can see more motivation is what you exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's taking it beyond an individual process and making it more community driven. And whenever you're getting that community involvement, you're that much more tied to it than if you're just staring at some unpainted battle tech on a shelf. Good God, that sounds like my nightmare. But the buildings are painted. No, <laughs> no he's so got painted many. battle tech. <laughs> he does, he yeah. does. He's a lot he did it in the battle. dark, and so it's not quite what you want it to be. Yeah, I was too lazy to turn the lamp on, so the, the airbrush highlight on those first 26 models that I did is way too strong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I painted those starter set models in like a day and a half. Right, the John so Wong painting challenge. I think uh, yeah, it's like my Antarctica. We basically did the same thing. Shame on you. But they look good. And I painted, and I am painting more high standard guys slowly over time. Yeah, yeah. The red ones are looking pretty good. Yeah, the wolf dragoons. Can you think of any drawbacks though to like being in a painting challenge? Well, I think one of the problems. Ward is not very good at them. That's I, a drawback. That would be my stress for Ward knowing. Actually, he's a somebody who paints too fast can be disheartening. But that's why this one that I proposed, you can enter it multiple times. Yes, I know. I'm just saying though. There's times where somebody, okay, let's go. And you think you're doing really good, and all of a sudden this jerk, <laughs> Mike. It's probably me. Okay, I won't lie. No, it's yeah. John Wong. Oh, or John Wong. Or in the Jets in front of you. There's this guy Sergey that does commission painting in Russia, and he's like, he said he's working on like the first 400 tons that'll be done by the end of the month. So he's probably gonna lap a bunch of people. But too. doesn't it start at the beginning of December? Yeah. No. I, what Mike's trying to say though. Is once you get so far ahead of people, people get disheartened because they can't catch up or they can't paint at that speed. So it can have a negative effect is what I'm saying. I do like Dan's solution, though, of, yeah, Yeah, okay, so go ahead. You finished your painting challenge in, like, a day. I don't know. That's a thing. And (laughs) then you you just start over. That makes sense to me. I think that's cool. Well, I think for me the biggest thing um, when you're doing a painting challenge, and I think the way that Dan's running it's really good, is that you set the baseline bar really low mm-hmm. so that it's an easy goal for most people and then have the added bonuses to people that are going a little bit above and beyond. To complete this painting challenge, you must win three gold demons within the year. I have to paint, what, 20 <laughs> shitty five-second models in a year? Well, there can be more than five seconds because you're going to at least spend okay. five-second, sure. minute airbrush per model. Let's say 20 minutes per model, <laughs> max. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about several layers of airbrushing and highlights and shading. Yeah. yeah airbrush be fast on, you know. So about models. 20 minutes a model. So I'm looking at about 500 minutes. Yeah. yeah I'll give you to that. get this done, right? And this is not really taking that much for my regular budget for hobby stuff. It's a usual. It's about a full day. Full day. Um, Saturday. The other thing that's really an, an advantage is that you're engaging with a wider variety, array of people. So this is an international one, which is really nice. That you're seeing how people are painting all over the world, and I don't, I don't know if you guys really remember, but back in the day, all the Golden Demons, how you'd look at the ones in the UK, and the style was dramatically different from the ones in Spain, which are different from yeah. the ones in France yeah. and the Canada. And well, that's still the way it is. Even even with like tournament painting, people are their styles for like the West Coast versus East Coast. That's that's cool, and I, that's one of the other things. I feel that like that's really the way like. to get shot in the face. Yeah, it could be. Could be too. <laughs> a, a Warhammer <laughs> beef. Too uh, no, the, the thing that's cool about the, the international ones, though, is it's internet-based. That's one of the things that uh, has been so good for the hobby is these forums. These forums Makes where you the see, world smaller. Yeah, you see all these techniques that different areas of the world are, are using and are maybe very prevalent in France, let's say, and just no one else has seen them. That's, uh, I mean, a lot of like the, uh, the weathering techniques and the, the realism has come out of the scale modeling world. Yeah. And that's mostly because of scale modeling forums. It's not because of 
people going from the Warhammer convention to the scale modeling convention. They don't really overlap in real life, but when you're Googling miniature painting, they pop up. And I think these painting challenges are huge for that. Yeah, and that's, that's actually something that I really want to do as well, is as we progress and get more stuff done and people are really showing off their miniatures in all these different styles, I do want to really encourage um, people to you know be able to ask questions and put together like painting guides and articles and that sort of a thing. And so if people are doing something that's new or different that other people are curious about, it gives you that forum to ask questions and really engage and just be super interactive. And as someone who's asked and been asked those questions, like it's an awesome experience too. Like you feel good if someone's asking you, oh hey, that's that's that a good looking awesome. model. You can you this? tell me like how I can you know try that myself? It's, yeah. You get a lot of reinforcement for your techniques. If you're asking the questions, you get to learn a lot and really engage with these people that you're maybe idolizing or whatever. And it's just, it's a really cool community-centric way of doing things. Yep. And yeah, I 100%. think it's going to be a lot of uh, Excel spreadsheet management over the next year, keeping track of all this stuff. But it's going to be also a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes and, you know, seeing that progression. Like, I do want to have, potentially by the end, like, have um, some people nominated for, like, best progression from, like, where they started initially to where they ended up. Yep. That sort of a thing. Like, Most improved kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Most apathetic would be really good. <laughs> Ward can just take that home right now. <laughs> Best, <laughs> our fewest mold lines. I was going to say, Ward, <laughs> yeah, Ward, I'll take that one. Ward's usual uh, usual painting challenge uh, operation is get halfway there, reprime. <laughs> Was, was, that the, was that the Everybody's was that got the a penalty? system. Everybody's was that got the a penalty, system, though? Man. Was the reprime? There was there was uh, something that I was involved that I had to reprime. Yes, so yeah, it yeah. depends on the painting. Was that your right? thousand, was so. that your Zinch stuff? Your thousand sons? Um, no, I don't think it was them. Tomb kings could have been some tomb kings. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a painting challenge that is just brutal. Where if you don't finish, you have to reprime <laughs> yeah, over anything that you've did. done. Yeah, so <laughs> having devastating. Some, having some sort of reward or penalty system is is kind of nice. So, like you were saying, like prizes. Well, maybe positive reinforcement. Positive like reinforcement would be better. Reinforcement. I don't know. We I prefer negative smash or your model. You actually painted. Well, negative one. reinforcement would be like taking away the the feathers that are tickling your feet. I was gonna say. Well, you might like seraphon positive punishment. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I know what we're talking about. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um... But well, sorry, where was I going with this? You're thinking oh, of Seraphon no, now. That's no, sort of derailed yeah. the conversation a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no. Having no. some sort of reward is nice. Having some sort of reward is nice. So maybe yeah, maybe we should like find some store that sells like you know those participation ribbons that you got in track and field <laughs> and just mail them all over the world. I was kind of tempted to do <laughs> up some participation ribbons too. Yeah, Ooh, I like it. Ooh. You know, in all honesty, we really should just get on this participation thing. Actually, actually, I do have a nomination today for that. I was going to bring that up as a surprise. Well, this seems like the perfect time. I, I would think so. So I would like to throw out a Paintus of Action uh, nomination, or do we even have a nomination? Or we just say... Just shout out. It's it? a shout out. Who gets just it? Just say it. Just fucking I'm, say it. I'm going to say Phil Harlos gets it for uh, lately. I was going to bring this up and forgot. I'm glad you remembered. Because he was running uh, local airbrush courses. Yes. Uh, for the community. I was uh, trying to remember to bring this up all week, <laughs> and I failed miserably. It's, it's like we're synced. 
<laughs> we're synced up. Um, but no, he he was running uh, airbrush courses at a couple like local stores. That's super uh, cool. Just for anybody that was interested in airbrushing, because I mean he has been doing it for quite a he while. He is an airbrush master. His uh, his nights look super super nice. Do you know how many nights he's painted? Several. Fourteen. <laughs> Fourteen. He. What the fuck? I don't think owns any of them anymore. He mm. airbrushes them to a really high standard. And then people are like, those look awesome. I want them. And he sells them because he's quite quick with the airbrush. He gets them done yeah. fast and they look awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. He just sold the ones he used at Onslaught in the parking lot after the tournament. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> That's what I saw was going on. Okay. I was like, this looks shady. Yeah. It looks like. <laughs> oh, that Phil Harlow's guy. You think it's a drug deal, but no, he's slinging plastic crack. So it is a drug deal. <laughs> yeah. Pretty selling much. 40K. Uh, selling 40K. There you go. Um, but no, I, I think that's awesome that he's willing to take his own time and, and, uh, yeah, run, good on run classes for sure. and, mm-hmm. and show people like how they can progress themselves or what they need to, to get into in, in the way of airbrushing. So I think that's awesome. I, I'd like to see It that. is actually a big bump. The first time you try to get into airbrushing and it's, well, yeah. the learning it's not any, it's, it's a little high. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely nice to have someone show you the ropes. Unfortunately, I did not make it out to any said. Classes. I didn't know that was a thing. So that's. Uh, but uh, yeah, we hopefully. need to get on the Facebooks. Yeah, you hopefully know. he c- he continues doing that and does like different sections and sessions and all that good stuff. So I'm yeah. disappointed in you, Steve. I know. <laughs> what else is? There? You need to Facebook harder. I know. I do. <laughs> do better. All right. Uh, yeah. So that's. I think we covered it. That painting uh, painting challenges are great. Okay. So do we have? Well, just want to give the one quick plug again. So for anybody interested in joining the um, the painting challenge I described there, so it is the Battletech Megaton Painting Challenge. So if you want to look it up on Facebook, I'm assuming it is the only thing with that name. Because <laughs> it is fairly specific. It will be specific. in the show notes. Come on, Dan. <laughs> well, that too, obviously. It will be in the show, be in the show notes. Obviously. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Sorry, I got distracted wow. by watching hockey. Awkward silence. There we go. Yeah. Uh, last uh, section today. Yeah, well, we could talk about uh, Gutsy or Goatsy. Uh, do we have any moments from the tournament? Oh, probably like eight. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think of any off the top of my head, so I'm going to go with... I could, I, You know what? I actually can come up with one. I had a pretty good uh, Gutsy or Goatsy. Uh, I was playing uh, Jeff Scalzo's Raven Guard, and I had a... So I was playing my Dark Elder, so take that in, in mind, first of all. I was not playing the most competitive list out there. And there was a unit of Raven Guard bikes that I could potentially, if I managed to somehow kill one, force a leadership check on a jinkable, when they jink, they can re-roll their saves, hit them, they fail a save, then I could choose to make them flee in a direction I choose towards my Talos, and then I could potentially charge them with the Talos, like, Ten different things have to go right perfectly to make this all work for a first turn charge to set it up. And on top of that, I also have to leave my uh, Death Jester hanging out in the wind with line of sight to a potential unit that could just nuke me. Uh, I went for it. What do you guys think? Well, Raven Guard are clearly awesome, so I'm going to say Goatsy. They're just going to shred you up. Goatsy. I'm going to say Goatsy because I like saying Goatsy. I'm going to say Gutsy because everybody else said Goatsy. It was gutsy. Yeah! Whoa! Yeah, I killed one of the bikers, made them flee towards me, hit the charge with my Talos, and wiped them out and used that to slingshot the Talos through the rest of his entire army. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, because it obviously wasn't my Raven Guard, but the last time I did play the Raven Guard, I failed all the leadership tests. <laughs> oh, and when I say Raven Guard, I meant Raven Wing bikes. 
Oh. Sorry, wrong Raven. Wrong black and white guys yeah. on bikes. Yep, sorry, my bad. So they were that's why they could be roll chase, because Raven Guy can't do that. Okay. That's me. And just kind of on this topic, it seemed like pretty unanimous that people don't have the attention span for any <laughs> sense of suspense. Yeah, we should just finish it up in the episode. Especially yeah. because I can't even remember what we had as our guts and go to yeah. last episode. Yeah, we should just do that on the same episode. Yeah. Because we're professionals. What? <laughs> and we keep track of these things. Oh, oh we absolutely. do? <laughs> Any Moose Knuckle Minutes from the tournament? I think the Moose Knuckle Minute for this uh, this one was Seraphon. Yeah. Did not see that Yeah, coming. no shit. Wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Games Workshop, you, are, you get to wear the Moose Knuckle Minute hat this weekend. <laughs> yes, you do, Games Workshop, 100%. <laughs> or would it be more of a cup than a hat? Uh, yeah, probably. It could be with some excessively tight shorts. Oh yeah, with yeah. feathers. Yeah. So with like feathers. Daisy Dukes. Yeah, this it's a nice form-fitting pair of Daisy Dukes. That is what GW is wearing. It fits all the form. Yeah. All right. I think that's good for this uh, week. Okay. So Ward, what events do we have coming up in the near future? Uh, right away, we have the uh, Death by Dice uh, 40k ITC event coming up November 14th in Spruce Grove. Again, it's 40k only, 1,850 points, ITC rules. Um, yep. I know that they've got over 20 players, I think, so far. Yeah, another big tournament. So, more ITC points for you. Uh, then we have the For the Children charity event, November 21st, down in Calgary. Whee! Uh, so it's got War Machine, uh, Age of Sigmar, and 40k. 40k is an ITC event. Um, all the proceeds for that, I believe, go to the charity to build a playground for the school that a, 100%. a few of the organizers have children that go to. Yep. So, yeah, that's on the 21st down in Calgary. Uh, check out their Facebook page for more information. Uh, there is a few ITS events for Infinity popping up around the city. Uh, Adam is running a bunch of them all around different uh, stores. So there's one coming up on the 20th at All Star. Uh, it's 200 points. I believe it's two lists, and yep, like uh, most ITS. no paint is required. So it's a good way to come out, meet some new gamers. And he said that they've been getting usually about uh, 10 guys, 8 to 10 guys on average coming out for uh, for events. So, yeah. So go to the events and make it 12. Yeah, exactly. And lastly... Because there's two people that listen to this. There's actually two more if I want to talk about two more. Oh, okay. Because I've got uh, one that will actually be coming up before Uncontrolled Fury. Let's do that one then. So there's going to be a... Winter-themed Malifaux tournament on December 6th at uh, All-Star. It's, our, our local henchman is an Arcanist player that loves Rasputina, so it's going to be kind of themed in her December's Acolytes kind of form. And how. Right? Because <laughs> winter's coming, right? Uh, so I don't know the exact details of the format yet. Chances are it'll be 50, 50 Soulstones. Cool. Um, one of the things is we don't have painting requirements, but if you are playing unpainted, prepare to be shamed. Alright, mm-hmm. I like that. I like okay. that. And then with Uncontrolled Fury on December the twelfth? Uh, yes. Or sorry, sorry, it'd be the fifth then for um the Malifaux events. It'd be the twelfth for Uncontrolled Fury is thirty-five points, seven games, move to your right, play your next game. There's none of this pairing by Swiss or anything like that. The way Uncontrolled Fury works is he has two rows of tables. After your game you move game you move to the right. Did you see thirty five points? Yeah. Okay. Thirty five points. Two lists. Um, DNC three probably, and there's no there's it is not painting required. However, it is required that there is no bare plastic or pewter showing. So primer required. Yes, primer is required. Interesting. Okay, it's okay. baby steps. 
Like that? Like that? It's it's actually ba- gonna be baby steps. So next year's really probably that's really baby step though. It really next year's probably gonna be one color minimum. You after that two. You after that three. Just to interesting. Kind of push the boundary a little bit on this one. But the biggest thing right now is if there's bare plastic at all, you lose all your games. Can't play. Wow. Okay. Okay. There you go. So prime your fucking models. <laughs> so <laughs> what happens if you made the argument that War Machine doesn't use plastic? They do. You said pewter or plastic. They don't use plastic. Yeah, they they call do. it plastic. They, they do. use resin. They no, they plastic. do use plastic. Oh, they do use plastic, right? They have some sprues. But what if I brought all resin models? Oh, for fuck's sake. I see a loophole, and I feel like that's War Machine's thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think that's fair. <laughs> and on that note, let's finish off talking about Battletech. <laughs> I don't have anything ready. There's no more, no more battle tech. We I don't think there's any upcoming tech. tournaments or anything. So. Shocking. If you weird. have any battle tech tournaments, please let us know. Hey, we'll no, attend them anywhere in the world because I don't think there are any. Yeah, right. and just another friendly reminder: if you are running any events, whether they be weekly or kind of a one-off thing, let us know. We like plugging stuff around the city. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, oh Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, anyways, we are more than happy to advertise any events that are coming up in the near future, so please let us know. Send us a message. Until then, this has been another episode of Hobby Day in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. I'm Mike. I'm Steve. And I guess prime your fucking balls to start. Boo! <laughs>